Can we change the way we produce food to both meet the needs of humans whilst regenerating our soils and ecosystems? And can we do so in a way that improves the financial viability of farms? These questions are becoming increasingly urgent to answer, and we're here to investigate a promising technique called agroforestry in order to find out how it can help us with these challenges. We'll be interviewing farmers, scientists, and other experts to share with you their experiences, practical advice, and scientific research. Hello, and welcome to the Regenerative Agroforestry Podcast. I'm your host, Dimitri, and today we had a special kind of session. If you recall Matteo from our first episode on the podcast, um, and you may also know Kuhn from Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast, we actually all ended up reunited in Susano on Matteo's farm. And so we thought it would be a good idea to have a chat together. And so we asked on social media, uh, we asked you what you wanted us to talk about. And the most prominent questions were how to get started in farming or how to get started in agroecological farms and agroforestry. So we had a chat about this, how to kickstart an operation. We bounced some ideas back and forth. And as you know, farming is a huge adventure and it requires thorough preparation and planning. So we hope that this conversation can give you some food for thought. If you enjoyed this experimental episode, let us know and we can try to work out some more collabs. So enjoy. Well, thank you for accepting this invite. And um, thank you. yeah, we got a few questions. And um, one of the key ones that came out, out of three out of the five questions we received from our listeners, one of the questions that came out the most was starting a farm. A lot of people want to know about how to start a farm and possibly what tips we could give to a new farmer that doesn't necessarily come from a farming background and that wants to get into agroecology and regenerative agriculture but also potentially from the finance perspective, how to get it started on the finance side. So maybe we start with that. Matteo, do you want to go ahead? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a very complex question because it is really connected to, to the context, to the country, to the region, to the climate, to our attitude. So it's very difficult questions. I would say it depends. Normally, the best idea is to go and volunteer and work in the highest diversified farms around the world for a few months, few years, in order to get a sense of what it means farming. Even though farming from other people is not the same as starting your own farm, having responsibilities and having your own operation going on and the stress and all the rest. So... Site analysis is extremely important and site analysis is not just about what soil, what climate, what crops I could grow. It's about neighborhood, it's about neighborhood in, as the neighbors that are at the borders of the farm as well, a neighborhood in terms of the economy, the market, where I can sell, how I can sell, how I should sell, as well as if it's a touristic area or is an area where there are already lots of vegetable farms or lots of grass-fed meat producers. It's very important to be extremely convinced in starting a farm. I mean, you don't have to do it. You really have to want to start a farm because it's tricky. So it's very important, something I didn't say, to inform yourself, to go and ask to the local health and safety department, 
the veterinary health and safety department, the authorities that take care of the whole thing about food processing, about food production. And you really have to know what you should do, what you can do, because I know many farmers, many people that started beautiful, very well working farms from agronomy and management point of view, but then they had big problems with health and safety issues. So this is very important. For example, in, in our case, the health and safety institution, organization, a local organization uh, told us that we are not going to have chickens for production. And two hours away from here, our friends, they started a farm and uh, health and safety organization told them, why don't you start with eggs and grass-fed chickens? So it really changes a lot. I think it's a very good point, the context, and you need to take a decision what you want to do based on the experience you have around the world and on volunteering and working on other farms. Like, do you want to run it? I wouldn't say it as a lifestyle business, but do you want to run it? Like, how do you want to run it with you and or your family, depending obviously if that's there? Do you want to scale it as a business, which might be ending up buying a lot of land or managing a lot of land? Or do you want a highly diversified farm that mostly is on the homesteading side? You're selling enough to supply, to get enough cash in, basically, to manage your life. And that's okay. Like, really, what are your choices? And do you need to own the land or not? Are you going to be operating on somebody else? Like, what's the, the smallest possible thing you can try somewhere? And then the crucial bit like every farmer you always meet needs a market otherwise you're just living on the land which is great which is not a thing but you're not farming and farming is a business if you choose to make it like that meaning that it's extremely important to understand your market the prices the taxes the competition or other collectives you can work with the like it makes no sense to farm the most amazing regenerative farm chickens if nobody in your area is buying chickens and people underestimate that a lot. And it's very difficult because you have to be really, really good at farming, really, really good at processing, harvesting, etc. really good at marketing, really good at accounting, really good at delivering. And that's very difficult to have that in one or two people. That's why we often see from a finance perspective, it's really, really difficult to invest in smaller ones because it's so difficult to get a good handle on the numbers and to understand the margins, which probably are there, but to understand the accounting because simply there's no time to do the accounting properly. So it really depends where you want to run it as a business, which means you need to follow certain business rules. If you want to run it as a farming business and you want to sell, you also need to follow certain, like Matteo said, hygienic rules. Mm. And in business, there are certain rules, like certain accounting principles you need to follow if you ever want to get a bank loan or if yeah. you ever want to get an investor, which we get to later. Like you have to be able to show that you're able to sell for a price that covers more than your costs, very simply. And you have to be able to show that you're following your counting your hours which nobody does that in farming almost nobody and be able to say okay if i invest x or if i get more hours meaning i hire somebody i can do more but you have to be unfortunately able to fill out a spreadsheet and yeah. and if you decide to go down that route and i think we need a lot more farming as businesses or entrepreneurs in farming that are able to do that not because we need to make a lot more money etc but we need to be able to do those calculations to really change farming because for now most of the discussions in farming, in extractive agriculture, are about the yield. And we never ask the question, okay, what were the costs? Mm -hmm. Even apart from the externality costs and all the environmental costs and social costs, but simply what are the costs? And if you look, most are, let's say, barely or not profitable. And if we want to have a dent and change something, we need to be able to show, like, this is at least equal, if not better. And I'm completely convinced we can do better and we can have the margins and more profit flowing back to the land. 
but we have to be able to show that if you want to go down that route, if you want to go the entrepreneurial route and you want to have manage and manage a company, uh, we have to run it as a company. And that's a choice you make at the beginning. And maybe you run a company on top of somebody else's land, which is like you run the chickens, not on Mateo's farm because he's not allowed, but somewhere else, two hours from here. And maybe that's what you do. And you optimize for that in the context of the land and the landscape and the customers, etc. But without customers and market and without understanding your numbers, which can be super boring, I understand, it's very difficult to be able to convince others to join you or to convince somebody to put money to work. So I, I would say really boring answer, market and numbers <laughs> and understand your numbers context, apart from obviously the hygiene, because if you're not allowed to do things, you're going to end up pretty quickly in a lot of trouble, obviously. I mean, what I see from all of this is, and also from my experience is, it takes so many skills to farm and it's just absolutely crazy. And that's one of the things that, you know, I would give advice to people based on my experience. Again, it's, it's go slow and train yourself really properly. And that's something that I didn't do enough of and that I'm doing now, but it's got a high cost to just get started without being fully prepared. And you have to be prepared, as you said, in business. You've got to also be prepared in terms of your local context, understanding it legally, financially, the economics of it, the market, but also in terms of all the many, many skills that you need because mistakes in farming, they actually cost a lot, as much financially as emotionally. And um, you can easily find yourself with an overwhelming situation and which you're not in control of. So I really like this idea of looking at the numbers to be in control of of your business because in being in control of your business means that you know you are able to adapt it to you and so what you want and to prevent the burnout create. because yeah, we see exactly. we all know mm. people that have, have worked at farms and have traveled see the complexity of starting farms using regenerative approaches which adds a lot more complexity compared to a, a normal between brackets and like people burn out very, very regularly yeah. and it's 80 hours plus. And if the cash flow doesn't come in and you're struggling to make ends meet, like there are only so many years you can do this. And I would urge everyone to think, okay, this is a 20, 30, 40 year journey you're starting, mm -hmm. probably, hopefully, because we need you. But make sure you can make those 20, 30, but like there's no, it's no use for anyone that after two years completely burned out, your body is finished, your mind is finished, your relationship might be finished. And then what are you going to do? And we in the movement need people that are yeah. going to do this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, unfortunately. I, I, not fortunately, but we need, you're doing a marathon and yeah. be ready for that physically, mentally, financially, because you're going to, it's a long game. It's not something that in two years, suddenly, boom, like stuff explodes and everything will be fine. This is a very long, slow in terms and sometimes very fast game. It sounds all quite negative, what we're but saying. But it's amazing. Right now, but, I mean, if you are able to do it and against all odds and we're so early in the sector, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you really, as you said before, you really have to be clear with yourself if it's an alternative job that you, you want or mm. if it's a lifestyle. It may be simpler to see it as an alternative job because you're going to be sharper, less in the air, less dreamy, and uh, you start just with one production, one activity, without thinking about too many things together, and you do that. But of course, it's not just like an alternative job because the amount of uh, variables mm -hmm. that exist in nature and in agriculture, they're just uncountable. Every year is something different. You, you thought, okay, next year I'm going to do it right. No, there will be another problem. 
but also other opportunities. There is something very important about this whole thing that uh, we never take into account, which is not a financial thing, it's not a production or connected to something really touchable, which is uh, how farming can change people and it can change society. Because farming is a perfect substrate to deal with humbleness, to deal with frugality, to deal with uh, all these very important things that makes us better people sooner or later, if you don't give up, of course. And I think it's something that it can't be quantified from an economical point of view. But at the end of the game, if we are not just interested in money, and actually we are speaking about regenerative agriculture, regenerative agriculture is not just a set of different techniques to make something different and be very good and kind with the planet. No, it's also to change the society. I personally don't really don't care about changing the agronomy behind uh, our production, the methods, if I don't change myself and the people that surround me and the society that surrounds me. Mm-hmm. Because I don't care to give uh, food good food, high quality food, produced in a very good ecological way to people that are still behaving in the same way. And mm. uh, I think this can't be quantified, not yet, but as we are trying to quantify and to give value to ecosystem services, this is an ecosystem service. Yeah, that's very interesting, for sure. And actually, if we go down this kind of this path of looking at a young farmer or a new farmer that wants to get into this job, a, a big part of it is big part of the conversation and especially when you become you're a new farmer and there's quite a lot of idealism and etc one of the big things that we have to deal with is complexity and diversity and by diversity i mean diversity of our production etc so you know it can often be very tempting to get into a huge world of diverse products and just and complex farm you can imagine it or at least i can imagine it quite well maybe because we are in one of these farms here but with somebody like you who has a lot of experience we can manage it and I struggled to manage that complexity at the beginning when we got started because there was just too many things to learn. If I had simplified a bit my task and I had started with smaller and complexified through time and maybe not as much as I did right now on Mazi Farm, I would have probably been better off. So I'm, I think it would be nice to talk about that as well because that's something that people will want to understand better to how much to complexify and how much to diversify. And I, th- I know, Kun, that you had a really interesting point of view from the finance perspective there as well. And you're looking at projects that are trying to finance themselves and they're trying to communicate as well with investors. And what do you have to say about that? I think there's a tension between complexity and finance because as soon as you are going out of your context, out of your farm, let's say looking for outside money, looking for bank loans, but probably your local bank has no idea what you're doing. So that's sort of a a no-go area. So you might be wanting to go down the crowdfunding route or crowd lending if you talk about investing or speaking with a number of people that somehow, through a lot of luck mainly, have access to a lot more wealth and might want to invest in you or they might come and visit, which happens a lot in places because especially the lighthouse farms obviously have a lot of attention. As soon as you want to somehow get outside capital to be put to work on your farm, on your land or the land you're working, almost by definition, you have to write down what you want. Like you have to at least make a plan. Okay, I'm going to use this $25,000 or euros or whatever to do X, Y, Z. And as soon as you write that down, I think you automatically have less complexity because you sort of have to plan and you have to say, okay, over the next years, I'm going to use this freezer for X, Y, Z. I'm going to use this processing equipment or I'm going to plant 
a thousand trees doing this and that, and this is more or less the market. And this, like, you have to sketch something that in a very complex and very diverse farm is not clear yet. Like it's something that over the years you will figure out because every year is different, just like Matteo said. So there's that tension between managing on the go and wanting to take a loan for 25,000 euros to do X, Y, Z or 50,000 or a lot more depending on your context in your space. So I think there is a sweet spot and it really, really, really depends. And I would say probably the easiest to get around is, is to raise for specific projects, to not try to raise, okay, we need 2 million to do everything on this farm to the perfect level saying, no, we start small or we start, we need a freezer and a freezer will get us this, this, and this, or we need to build six tractor, uh, chicken tractors, and we need to buy X amount and the chicken operation, let's imagine it's a separate operation is going to yield in five years time that the loan has this and this and this. And then we know we can pay it back. If it exactly comes from the chickens or not, is not necessarily the point. But you need to know at least from the beginning that you're able to pay back that loan or able to pay back the investor if it's a profit share, etc. So it forces you to also plan, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe you do the numbers and you do some calculations and figure out, oh, it's actually not such a good idea at the moment. Or maybe it just pays back almost, it pays back the principal, but it helps the land a lot. And then it's okay, that's a different investment in different time, but in itself... So I think it's a good process, even if you're not interested to do it, is to go through a few of those exercises and to see, okay, what could it yield? Could it go faster with outside money? But if you say, okay, I want to do the most advanced entropic agroforestry system with 30, 40 different types, that's going to be a very big spreadsheet to imagine all those variables. It's impossible for sure. But so you have to sort of get it out. Okay, these are the five cash crops out of that system. There are more. We know that maybe one year we sell a lot of that, maybe another year we sell a lot of that, but mm -hmm. let's see this as extra. That's nice insurance. But if we can pay it back with these five over 10 years or five years, whatever, then we're good. And then the other is, is extra. So you have to start thinking more in boxes, unfortunately, because you have to explain it to an outside person that can never understand your complexity, mm -hmm. why you need that money and how it's going to flow back at some point plus return. And that seems to be quite a lot in tension with what you're doing here, Matteo, as well, which you have a very diverse farm. And actually, the way that you're selling it has a big part to play in that, you know? So, I mean, how do you... But I'm curious, how did you do it at Mazi? Well, this is interesting because, I mean, on Mazi Farm, we were in a position where the selling directly, which is what Matteo does here, and that enables also a huge diversity, selling directly to a local community. On Mazi Farm, we don't have that. So we have to either send to Athens or go further. And so we had to plan. Yeah, but we didn't plan enough at the start. And um, we found it already complex to plan for like five core species. Even that, it's interesting because that's the same as number you mentioned earlier on, but even that was actually Just random, complex right? <laughs> to, to sell because you've got to, you've got to consider, okay, who's going to buy that? Are they going to want to buy, if we sell, for example, to organic shops around, are they going to want to buy just one of our produce or are they want to buy a kind of a brand set of so all these considerations that we mentioned earlier on, we're trying to work them out. I wouldn't say we have like a, an economically running system yet, but we're working out by testing. You know, we've sold in different places. We've interacted with different types of sellers and buyers and intermediaries. We've also tried direct selling. And so, but further out, you know, not just in, not in our local island, which doesn't have a market for us. And so, yeah, it's been testing to see where we could go. And actually, uh, it's actually intention with what I was saying earlier on, because sometimes you can't plan from the start. Sometimes you have to do and then work things out, test, probe, throw things in different directions, Absolutely. see what comes back, and then you can create a plan. But if you don't know exactly what you're getting into, because you're a new farmer and mm. you are trying to work things out, you can't know it all from the beginning. So yes, you've got to get started and that's going to have a risk. 
but also you can't do too much of it because otherwise you're gonna you're which gonna is, sink. So which is completely normal from a company starting perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you write a business plan, you start, and they always joke like you throw it away with the first customer because it's completely different than you wrote in your business plan. Mm-hmm. And then it's to your quality of can you pivot? Can you change? Can you find the niches that work? And can you stay alive? Like can you keep going? Keep eating at least because you need like somewhere on that journey you're gonna find the niches that work. Could yeah. take five years, ten years. Could take but at least you need to make sure that you're still there because otherwise you can find the best niche in year six. But if in year five you went bankrupt and you lost the land, so it's also there. It's like okay, how many tests can I do? What's the risk of every test? And is the risk taking down the whole thing or not? Or are there small calculated risks that you can keep going? Okay, and this apple variety is going to work for cider. And actually, there's a cider market, and then year five and year six, and suddenly it goes. But you need to be from the get go know or at least have an idea how to get to year five, six, ten, etc. Because it's going to take what I hear from you, or what I'm seeing, it's going to take a couple, it's not year one, you figure out, okay, this is the golden key. And now we're, it's going to take time, which is okay, but be ready. We have to be good in giving value to the fact that we are actually reinventing landscape management. And how do we give a value to something that people don't even perceive as something concrete? So in your case, uh, in at Mazi Farm, probably the most, let's say, spontaneous thing to do, which is normally connected to the fact when, when you don't have a local market that can absorb your produce, it means normally that you're in a remote rural area. Mm-hmm. Remote rural area is what people from the city seek for. Mm-hmm. Actually, you are also in a beautiful remote rural area with the sea and in a beautiful island. So Sometimes we have to be more flexible and throwing away our dream of being like the producer that goes to the farmer's market with a hay hat and say, no, I just set up my system to be a regenerative system in order to change the ecology of this island and to stop desertification, to stop erosion, to sequester carbon, to lower down local temperature and ta-da-di, ta-da-da, ta-da-da. So from one point of view, you are creating the basis to recreate a society in a desertic island. At the same time, you're using what you can use, which is like the tourism potential, which someone in the peri-urban area around Milan is not going to manage to do. Nobody's going to come in holiday to spend some time in a polluted and ugly concrete district. And little by little, you will be creating a new community. It's just like we do what nature does. There will be no life if there is no photosynthetic potential and biomass production and animals. Once the animals start to arrive, once more plants start to arrive, the system gets more abundant, more productive, and it it will attract more and more species, more and more people, more and more plants. But we have to start from somewhere. So yeah, I think this is very important. Like discover and use the potentials that your land has, rather than trying to mimicry something that is happening successfully somewhere else eventually our farm is going to become like a workshop for appropriate technologies and low-tech tools for gardening and terraforming mars and all sorts of activities that apparently they are not connected to farming but regenerative farming makes them possible to happen in a farm where before it wasn't possible so you have to be more disconnected to how to say we have to be more flexible yeah that's but, but flexible it doesn't mean it. to yeah. grow 
pumpkins or tomatoes. No, to open a B&B or to have fish in tanks like aquaponics or to attract people because you are planting a beautiful forest which is not going to produce any food but is producing oxygen, sequestering carbon, is the only shaded spot in 20 square kilometers. Mm. So really to have to create a new idea of not farming, but landscape management. It goes back also to your context, right? And to define a bit what's your... I mean, there needs to be some flexibility, but there also needs to be some deep thought about you know, how you want to lead your life and going to see different farms and different projects that are running things in different ways to experience them oneself. And, and ask for the numbers. <laughs> and I ask for the and numbers. See, and then we'll see how long they work and see, yeah. do I want to do that or not? Or what's, yeah. what, it's, it's a very deep decision on lifestyle and what you want to do. And it's a very big commitment you make to your landscape. If you decide to put roots down there and you're going to be there, you're going to be there for a long time, probably. And that's, it's not something to take lightly. Hmm? And I also think that, you know, just to give a bit of a, without creating big principles out of it, but the experience on, on Mazzy Farm has been an evolution where we arrived, we tried, we tested lots of things. And, we, you know, we're in very tough conditions with a lot of wind, very shallow soil, a big droughts. I mean, it's, it's serious, the conditions there. But, you know, what we're finding out is that there's a local fig called the Kimi fig, which is firstly an amazing tree, but secondly, there's a market for it. And we're starting to see, wow, wait, we can also start to go more into the traditions of the area, look at what's done there for a reason. It's done there, not far from us, actually. We're, we're on the southern limit of, of this, of what they call the, the Kimi fig producing region. And so, and then we're seeing, okay, wait, there's sheep around the place and lots of sheep. It's kind of, our region's more known for sheep and goats. And we're seeing that, okay, so we started, we tested out the market with the figs. We're seeing that there's a demand. We can make different products with it. And we're seeing especially that the tree, it has the capacity to deal with our conditions. It's very resistant to the wind. It doesn't, the fruit don't get damaged. The fruit don't fall in the wind. It's just very adapted. And, you know, the less what you give it, the sweeter the fruit. So, you know, it's starting to tick some boxes. And so we've, we were focusing on this suddenly. And, and so how many focusing... years is that in? Like, how long did it take? Like, just to give a perspective, yeah, like from first idea or yeah. from starting to mm-hmm. starting to see oh that's an interesting mm-hmm. line of like, i think it's like three years for us and it's pretty fast for some it could be for yeah. some it could be quicker and maybe for some as, as you guys are saying it could be slow but it took us three years to to realize that you know there's something that we can we can do with this and that the and also maybe at some point we're gonna you know transform a lot of the trees we planted for forage for the sheep who knows and then copies them regularly and then we'll have a civil pasture system with figs and sheep roaming underneath. And that might be... So it's also about that flexibility of also taking the system where it kind of wants to be taken and letting the land feed us information and adapting to it. I think rigidity is a bit of a problem. And especially in agroecology, where you're, you know, you're trying to not base yourself on huge inputs and chemistry, which is a very powerful tool. So you've got to be... I Observe. think it's another argument to be um, flexible. And then comes the question, okay, let's say you, you're starting to see the, do you then see potentially, I'm not saying now, now, but potentially a role for finance to speed things up or not? Well, I think that the timing in our context, again, the timing would have been key because if, if somebody came a few years ago. I mean, now, because you're, so, you're talking about, okay, this yeah. is emerging. We're observing the land. We're seeing where it wants to go. We're seeing what makes sense or what starts to make sense from a context, a business, 
a land perspective, a social perspective, our perspective. Like, do you are you comfortable now then to have a potential discussions like that? Is that yeah, yeah. or is it still? Oh, it's still a bit too early. Like, I, I feel. Yeah, I, I think that it's. Um, or is it not useful at all? I mean, it could also be done. No, that the financing is key, but it's also it's the right time when it's the right, right time when you have the ability to use it efficiently and not to put yourself in danger or also the investor or the funder or whatever in danger because at some point you know when you're a new farmer it might not be the right time for that mm. and then there's a trick i mean it's tricky that in that position because where do you get the funding then and you know how many years do you need to train yourself before you gain some credibility but it's only after and even if you've trained yourself and you arrive in a new context you know you need to experience the context mm. to be able to make the right decisions so there's a timing thing and i think that now it could be entering a phase maybe now or in the next year where we could be thinking okay let's we could be efficient and we could be smart with money coming outside and we could plan a business create a serious business plan one that's based on reality on a reality of we know where we're going to sell our figs who we're going to sell them to what price we can sell them to we've done tests to know how much it takes us to process it what labor we need we know where we're going to find it these are all things we know now i'm saying them because we know them and they're key Now, to really make a solid business plan and to really be able to either scale or change or just speed get a living out yeah. of it and, yeah. and uh, yeah, to speed up the objective, which is to sustain a family from farming. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say to that. Matteo, could you use investors from outside? At what points would it have been good for you? And especially now, would it help you? Do you see a place of, for investors on small family farms like yours? I don't think I'm the right person to answer to this question as people would uh, expect. I'm saying I don't need money. I don't need money because anytime that uh, I wanted to do something, I started very little or I started and if it was possible to start it and if it wasn't possible to start it and I really wanted to do it, I created the substrate in order to start it. To me, the finance thing It should go mainly into pushing institutions, creating movements in order to change policies, which are the very big problem for farmers and for the development of regenerative agriculture, of different techniques, different approaches. So we really need to change the policies because if you look at European policies on so many things like food processing, on, again, animal management, and uh, animal uh, regenerative animal husbandry is a problem. I mean, we are either in different situations, you find yourself in an illegal position or in a borderline position, which is not good because you don't. You are already stressed by the climate. You're already stressed by the market. You're already stressed by so many things when you're farming. If you're already also stressed by the fact that someone can come to the farm and check and see that uh, you're not doing things properly as policies are asking is not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for the movement. It's not good for the stability of the system. So policymaking should not come from farmers. Farmers should require because they don't have time. They don't have the head. They don't have the energy. They don't have the contacts. They don't have the, the knowledge. So policymakers are policymakers. And yeah, they should ask they... farmers what they need So if a policymaker comes to me and asks me, so I can't change these rules, these laws, what should I change? I tell him, I want to be able to manage my chickens in this way. 
I don't want to have the same rules in my commercial kitchen processing facility that the industry is having. Can you change it for me? Yes, don't worry. I'm going to find uh, who's going to invest in an advertisement campaign and this and this and that. Yeah, but that's not investing. That's granting. I think I have a different take. I think we need the issue with the movement now that it's made of too many farmers that are stressed out and don't have the time to engage in policy. I mean, the first time we saw somebody engage in policy in the U.S. actually in the House of Representatives was a few weeks ago when Gabe Brown spoke. Why? Because he got to a level that he had time for that as well. So what's missing, like we're against a lobby that has a lot of money, a lot of time to lobby. And in order to get to, so that's why I'm thinking if there's a role for finance, it's to get to farmers and farms, the successful farmers to a level where there's maybe 10% of your time going into policy because we need more successful examples for policymakers to look at and to engage with. And if we rely on overstressed, burned out farmers to engage with policymakers, we're going to be in the same mess 10 years from now. Like we need you, Matteo, to have more time to engage with policymakers. And if you don't have the time, you don't engage, which is perfectly fine, but it means policies are not changing because people in the city have no clue and rightfully so. And they come and visit, etc. But if we have farmers that are getting to a level where they can have dedicate a bit of their time, I'm not saying a lot, but just a bit to start engaging, start discussing, start nudging. It also means that these farms need to get to a level where their time is available and is not absorbed and that everybody's working 80 hours a week. So I'm scared if we don't take the timing part serious, this policy is always the last thing of Friday afternoon and wow, we should also do policy. And then it never happens because we're against a lobby that has time and creates time by a lot of money simply and has the lobbyists in Brussels. And, and I think with the movement, we need to get to a level that we also have the lobbyists in Brussels because these rules you can change. We've seen that in, in sustainable and renewable energies. You can actually change these things with time and money and focus and people that are doing that and feeding them with the right things. Okay, this is the context we need to understand around chickens. And this is the context that we need to understand around vegetables. And these are all the rules that really limit us now. But getting a proper overview of that and what needs to change is a very time. It's, yeah, it takes time. Isn't that where we need to convince people that these alternative ways of farming, agroecological ways of farming are viable systems to feed the population huh? because I feel like that's one of the biggest arguments that goes against it. Absolutely. So I, I think that that's also part of the the issue is that we really need to start creating systems that are functioning and that are productive. That we can see and, and visit that, and yeah, taste. And that are productive and per hectare, that are also productive per labor hour. And per landscape. Which... Which and is not the most interesting part of farming at no, all, and that's that, keeping that, records is horrible. Yeah, but and, and it's you know the interesting part of farming is understanding the ecological. Uh, I want to say that for myself, not for everybody, but for me, it's understanding the ecological interactions between species and seeing how we can use a tree to produce as much as possible for us. Yeah. And you know this. This is what's fascinating. It's not fascinating to sit and do the, the spreadsheets or to um, but it's, or to it, go out and find the market to sell. Whereas maybe for some, this is the... You know, and and we need those, those as well. Interesting, like you know? if you are a seller. And, and mm -hmm. isn't it fascinating that until I think a year ago, there was only one proper paper written about profitability of regenerative farms. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but very sad if you think about it. Now there are a few more, but... We need like the very dry numbers sometimes and in Brussels and in Washington and in Milan and Rome and in the other policy places, we need, unfortunately, sometimes also the dry numbers. We shouldn't forget about the record keeping and the 
So it's, to, it, to show. It seems from what you're saying that uh, just bringing it back to the earlier conversation, numbers and all these this economics, not the economics, but the well, it is the economics, but understanding and recording and planning the financial aspect of a farm is one of the main ways that we can communicate with investors. And it's one of the, if that is important for a project and for somebody that wants to get started, et cetera, that's looking for funding, this needs to happen. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, you can absolutely communicate with anybody by bringing them on the land and showing them examples, bringing them to other farms that are successful, et cetera. But if you're looking for somebody's money, you need to be able to explain what you're going to do with it, that you're able to put that, to put it to work and that it comes back at some point. And that's very, I mean, it needs to be clear and you need to be able to have a good feeling, not just being able to handle animals and handle trees and handle complexity, but also handle, again, if you want to, the business side, if you want to run a business. And if you're not comfortable with that, make sure you find yourself in a position that you are working with people that are, that really love the accounting and that you create a context that is big enough to support multiple roles and multiple people. Because again, as we came to the beginning, it's crazy to think like nobody else in a company thinks in the rest of the economy thinks that you can be a great accountant, a great farmer, a great processor, a great marketeer and a great delivery guy or girl all in the same person. Yeah, like we don't expect that from a company that sells doors and has 20, 50, 200 people. They have different roles for a reason and they might switch and change and to keep everybody happy and they might manage themselves holacracy and they, et cetera, et cetera. But they have different roles and different qualities. So why do we expect that from farmers that they are like Superman and everything or Superwoman? So I think that's, and I, I said it's super difficult at the beginning mm -hmm. because you have to do everything because you cannot pay anybody, but keep it in mind. Like when you're going through that, like, okay, am I going to do this accounting forever? Or am I going to do delivery? Or am I going to do processing? Or am I, and also imagine the cost. Like if you are good at accounting, you take a hundredth of the time to do it, or maybe a tenth and much less frustration. Or if you're good at processing or good at it's we specialize in certain things for good reasons and economies of scale exist in many cases. And if you want to go down that route, make sure I mean, we, we have a lot of experience how to run businesses on that. And it would be amazing to see with all the extra benefit that obviously regenerative farming and practices and approaches create all the biodiversity that slowly we start to measure more, which is all great. But in itself, it needs to be able to sustain itself. It needs to be sustainable as a business. So we can do this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and find amazing markets and find how we can actually regenerate landscapes at scale because that's what I'm after and Mateo is after. And all of, like, how do we do this? Not on two hectares, 10, 20 hectares, but on 20,000. That's actually, interestingly, something that the previous agricultural model that we often call conventional ag, which is a big generalization, all of this has been pretty good at. It's creating business models and it hasn't always been to the benefit of the ecology nor of, of society, but there is definitely some things that are to take and some things that are to learn from these systems. And that's something that I'm also quite interested at the moment in is to look at, you know, what can be learn, taken from, from yeah. there as well, be open-minded, not just be limited to our alternative models, which often, you know, so we, I think that's also another aspect of the conversation but i also think it's a really nice place to stop the conversation and to end this chat there's been a lot of things that brought up and i hope that it's been able to somehow clarify or inspire or or you know set things um at least put some different elements on the table for people to think about and to consider when they want to start farming which has been the big topic of this talk so thanks a lot thank for, you uh, sitting here with us 
and uh, with me and for chatting. Let's go back to pruning olives and taking Thank care of babies you. and all of this. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> don't, don't location. Supermarkets. <laughs>